Hi, my name is Dawn Long. I started this podcast to share not only my story, but to share others' untold stories, to share the truth and journey of healing, so I can show you that it is safe to do the same. We are transforming and healing together. This show is about the heart-centered transformation for you, for me, and the world. This is the Your Transformation Journey show, and this is our journey together. Let's begin. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Your Transformation Journey podcast. And today our guest is Julia Toothaker. She is a career coach who equips ambitious corporate professionals who value the stability of the nine to five to strategize and take action to control and advance their career. She is a veteran career coach with 10 years of experience, specifically in career development, including a counseling focused master's degree and multiple assessment certifications. She also has a podcast where she interviews mid-level professionals about their career journey and does solo episodes on career hot topics, as well as offers multiple free resources and coaching options for professionals ready to make a change in their career. And if you want to know about her podcast, it's called Ride the Tide Collective. You can go check that out at ridetidecollective.com. Go check it out. I've listened to a couple of your episodes. They're pretty cool. So (laughs) welcome to the podcast, Julia. Thank you for having me, Dawn. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) It is awesome. So I always ask my guests because number one, We all find ourselves doing the things that we do because there's a reason behind them. And there is actually a journey to get where you're at. So what really got you started being a career coach? Yeah, so this this part of my journey I don't share very often anymore. And so it's actually fun that I get to talk about it here So before I got into career coaching, uh, I'm going to dip back to my college years. I was actually an art major with a communications minor. So that was my undergrad. And I wanted to be an art director or do some type of marketing. Like that was the path that I was on. And I think it was maybe three or four years post-college that I realized that was not the right path for me. And I didn't know what to do. And so I actually went back to my undergrad college. I went and saw a career coach, career counselor, took a battery of assessments because I was a little lost lamb that had no idea what I was doing or where I was headed in life. And they helped me to articulate myself, my skills, who I was, all these things that I think I knew instinctually but didn't have the right language for at that time, you know, I was in my twenties. I don't, I don't know what's what at that point. And it led me to do a master's program. And that master's program led me into working in career development at a college. And so I spent about eight years doing that before I had another big life transformation. I think we're going to talk about as well. And then that led me to starting my own business and doing career coaching my way instead of <laughs> the way that I needed to do it uh, to work for the school. So 
that's a little bit of how I got into <laughs> career coaching. That's awesome that you bring up these assessments. And so I want to ask you before I tell you mine, what is your favorite career assessment that you have people take? So my favorite is it's a toss up because it kind of depends on what the person is dealing with. But MBTI or Myers-Briggs type indicator is one of my favorites. I'm actually certified, trained in it, but the step two version. So most people know MBTI as the four letters. So I'm an INTJ, but step two actually breaks down all of those letters for you. And so it's a much more robust assessment. It's my favorite one that I like to give to clients these days. And also strengths, Gallup Strengths Finder is yes. another assessment that I use pretty heavily with my clients and I love it. Yes, that is one of my favorites. And it's funny that you talk about Myers-Briggs because whenever I took it with the team that I was with when I was working at a larger company and, uh, you know, they were going like, you're very task driven. And I was going like, well, when you work in retail for 18 years, that's sort of what you get because you are, I mean, it's a daily thing. And now I find myself since I've been out of that environment for a little bit, I really want to go retake another one just to see if it still shows the same tendencies or not, because it does. I think prior positions have a sway on some of these career ones. So if you can take it before you have a lot of experience in careers, I think it's a really good thing to do because then you have a set point at that mm -hmm. point. Yeah. The one thing that I tell people too, and this is with any assessment, if you're also in really high stress or if there are other mental health issues that you're managing at the time that you take an assessment, it can also sway your results. So even as a career coach, if I'm faced with a client who is in a really toxic environment and, you know, they're really confused about who they are and all of that, I might have them take the assessment, but with the caveat that it might not say what it needs like it might not say who they truly are because they're what we call in the grip, which essentially can flip your results. And yep. so that's why working with somebody who's certified and knows the assessment will help you break some of those down. And that's what I see happening to people a lot is they'll take an assessment. And they're like, this isn't me. And it's like, well, there's other factors involved. So you always want to make sure that you debrief with somebody that understands that specific assessment because they'll be able to talk you through those things and, and help you understand it a little bit better. I think my favorite one that I took while I was in college was actually called the Forte. I don't know if it's still around, um, but that one, uh, whenever we took it because it was for a business organizational class mm. and they got to mine and they're going like, okay, you're different. And I was going like, well, thank you. But how, why did you say it that way? <laughs> right. <laughs> and they're going like, you are who you say you are, whether uh, you're at work or at home. And I'm going like, I thought that's how you're supposed to be. <laughs> so yeah. I was the odd duck out in that. And I just found that really fascinating when we start talking about assessments about who we are. And I think, 
for a lot of people, the culture that we are raised in, specifically United States, that a lot of people think that they have to shield who they really are. And mm -hmm. I think that that does sway a lot of people. And I think for me, when you said strength finder, that is my current favorite one because <laughs> that is when I found out because I kept getting told, you know, you're good at leading people to what they need to be doing. Mm -hmm. And the top one on mine, believe it or not, was coach. And I was going to like, <laughs> and I foo-fooed it a little bit because I was going to like, nah. And I was going to like, okay, I get it. <laughs> and I'm going like, I know I'm saying it, you know, just like sort of like Ben Stein style, but I'm going like, it really was for me. I was going like, I didn't have the confidence mm. in myself for that. And I was like, nah, that, that's not for me. That's, that's not all right. But it actually is. So when you have somebody take those assessments and mm -hmm. you have somebody that probably is in a good place, and then they're being like me and I'm like, no, 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 that's not really me. How do you pull that out of them to get them to really see that? Yeah. And so if there's, if they're pushing back on it, then there's a reason. And so it's just getting them to articulate that and to try to tell stories as much as possible, because if you don't have any concrete proof of why that is or isn't, then we really need to discuss <laughs> how it came up in the results because you answered things a certain way. And so, as you mentioned, sometimes people will answer the way that they think they're supposed to, especially if you have to do this for work, which gets a little ethically, uh, but yeah. it, when you have to do it for work and you're in a certain culture and you know that maybe you don't, hundred percent fit that culture, you're going to sway your answers. And so, I mean, even for me, like I, when I work with clients and they've taken assessments previously, I'll, I'll take a look at them and we'll talk about them to make sure that they're accurate because that can happen for a lot of people, but it's really asking questions and solidifying it. And sometimes we'll switch you know, I had a client who self-typed one way on MBTI, which is how I do it. So I let people self-type, which means they get to choose which one they think that they are. And then I have them take the official assessment and we've changed some things for them. You know, we've changed up their type depending on how our conversation goes and how they were feeling that day when they took the assessment. And so that's the benefit of having a coach as well. Definitely. And it's, a benefit for me that I see for a lot of people is coaches have a tendency to pick up on things that the person's not going to pick up on because mm -hmm. they got their blinders on. Right. And I think that was one reason why I was so good at getting people to either promote or to go back to school because I would listen. And mm -hmm. when you listen to somebody, they're telling you exactly what they want to do. They just don't know that they're telling you that. And as a coach, you're pulling that out and you're picking that up. And it's, it's fun to do that. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. That, that is one of the things like depending on the client and how well I know them at the time that they sign on with me, 
you know, sometimes I can say, no, I've seen this in action. I know <laughs> that you have this. It just really, it really depends. But it's fun to peel back those layers for people and get them to really start to articulate. And sometimes those assessments, you know, as I said, in my journey, it gave me language that I didn't have previously. So for those who are listening, who are maybe, you know, on the younger side or entering into a new field, sometimes those assessments really help just give us a little bit of language to feel more confident in who we are as professionals. Uh, definitely. And it, and it gives you a little bit of a path. I mean, I tell a lot of people when you take those assessments, it's not a end all or be all. Mm -hmm. It just shows you where you're at and what you might would be good at. And Absolutely. take that and then run with it and then figure out where your passion at. And I know for a lot of people and I, one of the podcasts I was listening to of yours, you were talking about, you know, if you're in dire straits, you know, take the first job that comes along so that you can feed your family. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned retail and fast food. So I had to laugh because I got like 20 over 20 something years in retail. <laughs> I saw, I saw your, uh, I saw your LinkedIn. I was like, oh, she's got some experience here. Yeah, exactly. So I started laughing because I did, I went into retail without really wanting to make it my career. Yeah. You know, and I was going to like, I'm just going to take this. So for those that don't know my background, I'm going to dig into a little bit. I worked for the largest retailer on earth. So everybody knows who that is. And I started out um, taking plastic off of clothes because we had just moved from another state. So I was trying to find, a, you know, something so that we could bring income in. And I was going like, okay, I'm bored of this because at that point I had already been a second assistant for a fast food restaurant. So I was used mm -hmm. to running a million dollar store and I was like, all right, I'm bored taking plastic off of clothes. What else do you have for me to do? And they just kept listening to me and kept moving me up and kept moving me up. And well, lo and behold, later I become a department manager and mm -hmm. then I become an assistant manager. And then I was like, okay, I think I can chew it and invite it off. I'll become a co-manager. That was a huge learning curve for me because I went from mm -hmm. a $35 million volume store to 114 million volume store. Wow. That's a huge job. Yeah. And a huge struggle. And I made a lot of mistakes on the way. Um, what I call failing upward. <laughs> and it definitely was. And then I had improved. And then they moved me to another store. That was a $96 million store. And then I got finally at the point. I saw the writing on the wall. I was getting burnt out. Mm. And then I said, okay, let me do something different. And I took a huge leap of faith. And went from a permanent position in that same company to a temporary position as ethics manager. I loved that. But unfortunately, they just didn't have the room to keep me. So I went mm -hmm. into operations for the call center. That was not my cup of tea. And that's <laughs> what I want people to realize. When you are moving in your career and if you're moving in the same company, Try the different things. See mm -hmm. what fits you. See what doesn't fit you. Some things will. Some things won't. But you're not going to know until you try it. And then I took a year off. And now I'm with another retail company that's in the hardware business. And I absolutely love it. 
it is a total step down from what I've done in my retail life. But sometimes when I tell people if they think that they have to take a step back, that it is a death kill to their career. It's absolutely mm -mm. not. Nope. It gives you a huge different perspective. And it actually mm -hmm. has humbled me because I've had to relearn some skills that I lost moving up that ladder. Right. Right. Yeah. It, you know, we, I talk a lot about values driven career decisions, you know, and we need to make decisions in our career based on the season of life that we're in, what we value and values shift and change as we, you know, evolve as people, as we have new relationships, we have kids, we get married, people pass, like, all these things happen in our lives that shift our values. And sometimes taking a step back is the best thing for you. And, and I think, yeah, oh my gosh, thank you for sharing your journey because I think people need to understand that sometimes you make decisions for yourself, you know, it's not always about moving up. It's not always about, you know, oh, I got to make more money. I got to make more money. That's not always the case, depending on what you value and what you need. Yeah, exactly. And for me, a lot of that taking that step back is I have a some of people that have listened to my podcast know that I have this going on, but I have a younger son that's currently incarcerated. Mm. And you want to talk about throw a life for a loop. And it does. And so I think for me in that season of life, taking that step back for me is what is part of my saving grace is what I call it. And that's one reason why I started doing the podcast. And I actually have a second podcast that is actually geared more towards parents that have children that are incarcerated. Mm -hmm. So those of you that are listening, if you want to check out that other podcast, it's called The Broken Loving Through the Broken Path check me out on wherever podcasts are released. Um, but that's neither here nor there. I really wasn't going to bring that up, but <laughs> that ended up in there. But learning how to take that step back. So mm -hmm. what do you tell clients when you might give them that option and say, have you thought about taking a step back? Yeah. So kind of similar to what, what we were talking about earlier, you know, I'm hearing their story and I'm hearing the patterns and I'm hearing what they're saying. And so part of what I do is I help them with strategy. And, you know, I think there are coaches out there. Coaching is not like therapy, right? Therapy is like, I'm going to ask you a ton of questions and you're going to, I'm going to help you come to a conclusion. There's a little bit of that in coaching, but coaching is also about helping people figure out a strategy that's going to work best for them based on what you're hearing them say. And so that's when I will say, it's here's what I'm hearing from you. You know, here are some possible options that you could do. And for some people, they will immediately say no. So when I bring up like, you know, go work retail, go work fast food. I'm not saying to, you know, do that forever. If that's not the field you want to go to, you obviously can because they all have corporate size, which people forget yeah. sometimes. But it's, it's to get you from point A to point B. If you're so burnt out, you know, that your health is affected, your relationships are affected, then why are you going to stay in this position that is like probably killing you? Yeah. You know, take a step back, give yourself a break. If you can do it, 
you know, the other option is to advance, but is that going to be better if you stay in the field that you're in? And that's a really, you know, that's a custom decision for each person, depending on what they do. But I think getting my clients to think outside the box when it comes to their career, because we are taught this like linear path that we should be taking in our career. And that's not real. You know, what if, what if you're trying to start a family and you want to spend the next like five to seven years really focused on having kids and, you know, being around and all of that, you might not want the high pressure job. Yeah. Right. And so it might make sense for you to take a step back because maybe you still need to work, but you don't want all the pressure. You don't want to bring home all the stress, you know, so it's just listening, hearing what they value, going through again, some of the assessments if they need it and presenting those options. And if they say no, we also dig into why, because that's my thing. I want to make sure that whatever decisions you're making, you understand why you're making them. And they're not just coming out of left field because somebody's in your ear telling you that that's the decision you should be making. Definitely. And that's the important part of it is really taking time to understand why you're answering things the way you are Mm -hmm. and there is a gentleman I follow his name is Dr. Joe Dispenza and he has a book called Becoming Supernatural and in his book he talks about the human brain and he calls it the monkey brain or the dog brain depends on how you want to put it but our brain is so wired that by the age of seven we have already created these neural pathways that we've already created our life story, how we're going to answer things, how we're going to feel about things. And it's learning how to break that pattern of thought and asking yourself, okay, why did I respond that way? Is it, did I respond that way because I'm afraid or did I respond that way because that's just my normal response Mm -hmm. and learning how to break that. So it's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we were talking about a possible second transformation story. So let's get into that a little bit. (laughs) Okay. Uh, This one is uh, a little sad. So I'm just going to forewarn the audience. Um, So, oh gosh, it's it's been a handful of years now, but in 2016, fall of 2016, my dad passed away. Um, pretty unexpectedly. And actually, to make the story more sad, a couple months after my parents 50th wedding anniversary, um, which actually ended up, I mean, it sounds weird now, but it ended up being amazing because we got to bring all of their friends and family together kind of one last time. So people got to see him, even though we had no idea, obviously, he was going to pass away. But he passed away fall of 2016. Um, I had my son in fall of 2017 and my mom passed away in winter of 2018. So within like a year and a half or less than I had like three pretty traumatic life changes. And I say, I say the birth of my son was traumatic because um, one, I am not a baby person. So I was completely freaked out to even have a child. 
Um, I also had gestational diabetes. So there was a lot of um, complications and lifestyle changes that had to happen literally overnight. Um, my mom basically was, for lack of a better phrase, like losing her mind after my dad passed to the time that she passed. So I had to deal with like her mental health and making sure that she was safe and all this type of stuff. And I'm an only child. So um, I didn't have, I don't have siblings. Um, I have a little bit of family, but not a ton of support that I was getting at that time. And so, and I was working full time running a department. Yep. <laughs> it was rough. It was a rough time. My employer at the time, thankfully was amazing and very understanding through all of those life changes. But what it did was it, it made me question pretty much everything in my life. I was now orphaned. That's kind of how I saw it. You know, I didn't have my parents anymore. Um, I had this baby. I'm married. So, I mean, my husband was still there, but he was, he was working full time and he worked really long hours, had a really long commute. We were in SoCal, Southern California at the time, and he drove into LA. So, you know, he was gone a lot. Um, and I had like a fairly high stress job and I'm just a high stress person in general. So there were all these things going on and I just questioned everything. Why are we living this way? Why are you commuting to LA when you hate it? Why, uh, you know, what, how are we going to raise our son? What does that look like? I don't feel like I have enough time with him. Who's going to watch him? What is this? I mean, it was just like, you know, all these things. And I decided at that point, I was like, I need to do something different. And I had the opportunity to leave my job um, and take a break, <laughs> similar to what you did. And, and that was a real blessing because I figured out very quickly that I was not going to be a good stay-at-home mom 24-7. <laughs> um, I really respect the moms that truly make staying home like their life yeah. and, and their work because I, I struggled with it. It was very, very hard for me. Yeah. Um, it's hard. I, I knew I needed to do something else. And so I was like, you know what? I have this opportunity. I'm going to start a business. I, I still loved the work that I did. I was just in a really like, interesting place mentally and emotionally where I was questioning a lot. And so, um, so I started the business, we ended up moving out of state, which was also a big deal. And we made a complete lifestyle change as a family, as a result of me losing my parents, because we just questioned everything that we were doing and we wanted to make a change and we wanted to live a different way. And now we're doing that and it's been really amazing. Yeah. And it's, Unfortunately, it takes those changes like that because I know exactly what you're going through. I lost my mom when she was age of 55 to a massive heart attack. Mm -hmm. And then I lost my dad in the year of 2008, well, 2017. And so it does lead you to question. And it's going like, why are we doing the things that we're doing? Why are we working in places when we're not happy? Mm -hmm. You know, why are we not fulfilled? And I'm not going to say that the people in the companies that I work for have not 
supported me throughout my life Mm because they absolutely have. But sometimes we have to ask ourselves, is this really worth it? Is this is where I see myself? Am I truly happy doing what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. And if that answer is no, then for the love of God, please go find somebody like Julie or myself, (laughs) because (laughs) I'm telling you, we'll help you. And Mm -hmm. you may not have to go through some of the hard stuff that we went through and losing your family. And I I so identified that when you said orphan, because that's what I felt like when my dad passed away. I was like, well, I'm an orphan. I was like, well, wait a minute. I'm in my forties. So does that really make me an orphan? (laughs) It's, it's one of those life changing events. And especially, Mm -hmm. and I love that you said, you know, I'm not cut out to be a stay at home mom because some of us aren't, you know, I raised my little ones. Eh, probably until they were old enough to walk and talk and to where, you know, if anything happened, they could tell us. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, I, I'm, I'm ready to go to work. And I was a happier, more productive mom doing that. Yeah. And there is no shame in that ladies. No. Nope. So nope. don't ever think that they're, you know, that you have to be ashamed that you feel like that you have to work because there's no shame in that. Yeah. So I know we're getting a little bit off track about careers, but (laughs) I think that is a good way to end what we're really talking about because careers is a path in life Mm -hmm. and it's where do you want to see your career? And you know what? Careers aren't that straight and narrow. My retail career has never been straight and narrow and it never will be. And by the grace of whatever universe, whatever you want to say within the next two or three years, hopefully that phase of my life will be done. Right. And those are the things that I tell people work on your passion projects. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's not making you money right now, but work on your passion project. Cause I can guarantee you, you may get that chance just like Julia did to maybe do something different. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, the thing that really solidified me leaving was the lack of flexibility in the organization that I was in. And I want to talk about that really quick, because I think that that's something that a lot of people have been realizing over the last few years. Yes. And, and the irony was that I wanted to work from home more so that I could have more time with my son. And the organization at that time was like, no, we don't do that. We don't accommodate for that. And it was really, it was a double-edged sword because there were, there were people doing that. (laughs) And so it was really frustrating for me. And, and my direct manager was totally fine with it. And so there was just a lot of back and forth and all of that. Um, and I was actually on my way to do similar work for a tech company, um, that was like adjacent to the type of company that I was working with. And the only reason I didn't end up going and doing that is because I did start my business, but that person was like, call me when you, when you're ready, like I will hire you in a heartbeat. And I knew at that point, I was like, you know, I'm employable in other spaces than where I've been. 
Yeah. And it took that experience. It was the fight of like my values and what I wanted. And then me believing in myself that I could do something different or do something similar somewhere else. And so I just want to say that to people, like, if you're questioning yourself, like, don't, (laughs) you have skills, you have transferable skills, you have experience. I guarantee you can take that somewhere else than where you're at. If you don't want to be where you're at, just get in tune with those values, understand the skills that you do bring to the table, fill in any gaps if you need to do it. And start applying, you know, if, if you get stuff great, you know, then you get to make a different decision, but there's no harm in applying for other positions. No. And so before we end on that, I always ask our guests, what is one last nugget? But I want to throw a wrench in that. What do you think about the great resignation as this country is calling it? What do you think about that, especially as a career coach? Because we've touched on it, talking about changing careers, talking about moving and all of that. So why do you think that that's actually going on? So <laughs> I could I could talk for a long time. On, I did a 45-minute solo episode podcast on this topic. <laughs> So I have a lot, I have a lot to say, but I will keep it I will keep it short. So the thing that people need to remember is the world of work in general, it goes through cycles, it goes through transitions, it goes through changes. That's what we are in right now. So if you've been working long enough, <laughs> you know, people remember 2008-2009 when we had a crash that also upended the world of work. Um, Again, depending on how old you are, um, the dot-com boom in the early, late 90s, early 2000s also upended the world of work. You know, anytime we have a recession, anytime anytime there's a, a war, anytime there's anything major, the world of work tends to go through some shifts and changes. That's what the great resignation is right now. It's people during the pandemic, mostly in, um, I think, our age range, um, millennials, like older millennials, early Gen X, who have been fed like, you need to do this. You need to do this. This is what success looks like. This is what career you need. This is the school you need to go to. This is all these things that you need to do. And now we go through this pandemic where we're all forced to be at home. We're, we're forced to essentially slow down and, and sit with ourselves and our family and go, oh, is this what I really want? Is this the career that I want? Some of the careers left the people, right, with the, yeah. with the pandemic and you didn't have a oh, choice. Yeah. And you had to reinvent what you wanted or you had to figure it out. And I think what we're seeing now, the real great resignation is people who did not get laid off, truly, um, they are the people who have been able to continue work, but are questioning where they're at, or they've seen how their organization has responded to different things happening in the world, and they don't like it. You know, we talked about values alignment earlier. That's a lot of what this is. Also, money. 
Uh, people want to make more money. You will make more money if you switch jobs. I'm not saying you should do that super frequently, but you know, every three to four years or so, if you get a new job, you're going to get a pay bump. And yeah. so we're seeing people realize that there's no loyalty to companies the way that there used to be. In some cases, yes, if the company is really good and treating you well, absolutely. But it's hard to tell these days. <laughs> and so we're seeing yeah. people make those shifts and changes. So it's not a bad thing. It's being called the great resignation because the companies are suffering. Because the oh, companies yeah. that are awful are losing people. The managers who are awful at being managers are losing people. So they're the ones struggling. The workers are like, this is awesome. There are all sorts of positions and we can apply to this and apply to that and make more money and better benefits and all of that. So, you know, depending on who you talk to, the, the title of it changes a little bit. But yeah, that's what I see going on right now. Yeah. And, I, and, and we can feel it, especially in the industry that I am in. Cause we're in the midst of what you call spring hire. And if you don't see it before then you're definitely seeing it now. And it is a challenge out there. And as a person that is partly responsible <coughs> for getting people in the door, <coughs> oh, excuse me, it's a challenge mm -hmm. and it's frustrating too. But at the same time, I'm going like, yes, go for it because that is what has been needed to happen. Mm -hmm. And <coughs> Retail and uh, hospitality, I think, are suffering the worst. The interesting thing with that is I would not call what those industries are going through the great resignation because those industries let their people go in the pandemic. And those people had to figure out <laughs> yeah. what to do. And they said, I'm not going back. They yeah. learn new skills. They, they went out and they found, this is what I think. I think they went out and they found other jobs. They have great customer service experience oh. and they went to work for other companies that were going to pay them more, give them benefits and treat them better. And I'm, again, I'm not saying it's every hospitality, you know, company. I'm not saying it's every um, retail company, but it's enough. And yeah. so now those companies are having to figure out, well, what can we do? How do we get people to come back? The funny thing is, I would say more, more than anything, it's management. Yeah. And if these companies are not putting money into training their managers well, these people are going to continue to leave because they don't want to be treated poorly. No. No. And I think people are done with that. It goes back to the theory of X, Y, or yeah, X and Y. And the theory X, and I always get these flipped around, but the theory X manager says, you know, these people don't want to work that they're lazy. Theory Y is going like, okay, people want to come to work. You want to work for the theory Y manager because those are the ones that are going to take into account your life they're going to go like, okay, I know that you're a good fit for this position. I'm going to mm -hmm. let you run with it versus the theory X. And I think that's what we're coming out of is all of these very set in our ways back in all the way back in the twenties, I want to say. 
Yeah. Because you had Edward Demings. And I know for some of you, you're going to like, who is this man that you're talking about? He set up really great efficiencies for managers. And mm -hmm. the U.S. at the time didn't want to listen to him. So he's like, all right, I'll take my practice over to Japan. That's why Japan has such the highest efficiency in manufacturing because they used Edward Demons processes and he, they were actually able to treat their people better, which is part of it, actually mm -hmm. a huge part of it, because they did a study about lighting in factories. So if your lighting's good, your workers are going to work better. If your lighting sucks, they're not going to work as fast or as hard yeah. for you. So it's all of those different things and, you know, speeding it up to the 2000s and 20s. It's those things that we need to learn how to change. And Deming had it right. And we're just now mm -hmm. realizing, oh, maybe this is the way we should be managing. Well, yeah, because people are people. We're not machines. Right. And that's what a lot of companies were treating their people as, as machines mm -hmm. and we're not. Absolutely. Well, and Dawn, like you moved up through management at, in a yeah. retail space and that's what happens too. You're a good manager. Your people are producing, you have good results and they're like, oh, let's go, let's promote you. Right. Which you should, right. You're doing yeah. a great job. You get promoted. Well, then, then what, you know, yeah. who's coming in after you? Like you might be a great manager, <laughs> But that doesn't mean that everybody else, you know, that comes after you is going to be a great manager. And so it's, that's the hard part is these really yeah. great managers will get promoted. And, you know, yeah. if there's no training there. Yes. And we're leaving them behind. So I always ask our guest, and I'll go ahead and ask you, and we're going to wrap this up because this has been a really interesting conversation. We could keep this going on for a while. But what is one last nugget that you can give our listeners? Oh, this is my favorite one. Um, you don't owe anybody anything. You don't owe the company. You don't owe your manager. You don't owe your coworkers. You don't owe your clients. You do not owe anybody anything. If the situation you are in right now is not serving you for whatever reason, take the steps to get out of it. Exactly. And I 100% agree with that. You honestly don't owe anybody anything, period. Just yourself. Mm -hmm. So that is a good one. <laughs> Julia, this has been awesome. I would love to have you back on because I think that this is a conversation that needs to be continued to have. Because one of the things, and I really want to get your take on it, and this will be a whole different episode, is companies taking and really understanding that our people that are in the lower end of the scale when they're incarcerated and they come home. Mm. That's another challenge I have been finding and fighting so hard because those are the people that are so left behind. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these companies do not want to give them a second chance. Yeah. So Absolutely. It's not my area of expertise, but I'm happy to <laughs> I'm happy to come on and offer what whatever I can um for that. But yeah, it's uh, you're absolutely right. It's such a rough 
place for people to be. However, mm -hmm. I am encouraged because there are more and more programs popping up yeah. for people uh, who have been incarcerated, especially because there are so many people incarcerated for like really like things that aren't that big of a deal. And so yeah. we're seeing a lot more programs come up and that really encourages me that companies are ready to be more open to that. Awesome. Julia, I appreciate you having on and everyone, as y'all know, I love to sign off. Whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, you are unstoppable. You are loved and you are the beacon of hope. Everyone have a good one and we will see you back here on Monday. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Don. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to our podcast. To support the podcast, join our Patreon account through Podme at Your Transformation Journey. Or if you liked this episode, send us a review through iTunes and follow us on Podbean. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and also at my website at www.donlongcoach.com. Remember, you are unstoppable and you are loved.